Hello and welcome into this episode of the Kentucky Realtors Podcast. This is a special one since it is the first one since the COVID-19 pandemic has set in. Uh, lots of changes have been going on uh, in our state association and the industry, one of them being the uh, NAR legislative meetings in Washington, D.C. Uh, have been canceled as far as in person. There will be lots of uh, meetings and events going on online and available for members. But of course, that uh, takes out the possibility of visiting with our congressional and Senate members. Uh, but Chairman John Yarmuth, who is the congressman from the Kentucky's 3rd District, was kind enough to join us to discuss the uh, pandemic and other budget-related items. As I said, he is a chair of the House Budget Committee, and he has a unique insight into the process of crafting a federal budget uh, and the other aspects of uh, what goes into dealing with a crisis like this. So we're going to get right to that interview right now. I want to start off by simply welcoming everyone to this KYR Zoom call. Uh, today we have KYR Board of Directors. We have the leadership team, our association executives and CEOs, and we also have uh, Katie Rowley, who is Congressman Yarmuth's legislative uh, director. And again, we're excited and honored to have Congressman Yarmuth with us today. He's from Kentucky's third district. He is the powerful chair of the House Budget Committee that just passed the uh, what we call the CARES Act. And he's here to give us information on the CARES Act and some other conversation uh, as well. Um, Congressman would typically be visiting us uh, in during a legislative session in Washington, D.C. But this year that will not happen. We'll only have virtual meetings. So we're delighted that Richard reached out and the congressman gladly accepted uh, our call to help us understand basically a, a lot more or some of the process that uh, they went through uh, to get to uh, the CARES Act, uh, to get it signed off, and also help us better understand it. So with this, I'll pass it on right now for a formal uh, introduction to his uh, federal uh, political coordinator, uh, the one and only John Weichel. Thank you, President Sanders. This is John Weichel, the federal political coordinator for Congressman John Yarmuth. Fellow realtors, Congressman John Yarmuth has been a strong supporter of home ownership and free enterprise for his entire congressional career and has the highest ranking for supporting realtor issues and the issues of home ownership and free enterprise. In addition to that, Congressman Yarmouth, as President Sanders said, is now chairman of the House Budget Committee and has been an active member and one of the co-creators of the House Bourbon Committee, which I believe now, uh, have you all changed it to the House Hand Sanitizer Committee? Uh, with that... <laughs> Congressman Yarmouth, I will turn the floor over to you. Thank you for being here today, sir, and thank you for everything you do for me. Absolutely. Well, John, good to Lester and all everybody else on the call. <clears throat> good to be with you all. Uh, this is the, the brave new world we're in now where we're all communicating via devices, and um, it's going to be interesting to see once we get through all this what um, 
how this changes the way we do business, the way we do education, and all sorts of other things. Uh, but that's for that's for another time. We've got immediate uh, uh, crisis to to deal with, and that's what we've been trying to do in Congress. And just as an aside, the uh, the, the Bourbon Caucus, which I founded uh, and and now chair uh, with Andy Barr, co-chair with Andy Barr is uh, fortunate to represent one of the few industries that is actually doing well in this uh, in this crisis. That's from my, I understand from the distillers that they're doing very well, and of course they're they are all pitching in, and, and most of them in trying to use some of their alcohol to make hand sanitizer and get it to first responders, which is uh, a great uh, great contribution to uh, dealing with this virus pandemic. So in, in Congress, we have focused over the last few weeks on um, on this very intently. We've now passed three pieces of legislation. The, the first one, uh, which was about a month ago now, an $8.5 billion that dealt mostly with uh, making sure that we had enough testing and that people weren't, weren't going to have to go out of pocket to be tested and to, to fund some research. Um, we, I'd, I'd like to think we made an impact on the testing. I don't think we we did, but at least people aren't being charged, are being forced to come out of pocket with it. On the second bill, we dealt with um, things like expanding Medicaid because we knew that the demand on Medicaid in the states was going to be significant. Several other aspects of this crisis, so we with equipment and so forth. That was a hundred billion dollar package. Then, of course, last week. On Friday, the $2.2 trillion CARES Act, which um, has several elements in broad categories. And I think um, I'm going to discuss them broadly because I know I want to leave plenty of time for questions, and, and I know you'll have questions on them. But the first, the, the first portion of the um, CARES Act dealt with support for individual citizens. That's that included the $1,200 per adult direct payment, the $500 per child for those making up to $75,000 a year as an individual or $150,000 as a couple. Uh, the the $1,200 and $500, the $1,200 phases out up to $99,000 worth of income. And if you make over that, you don't get anything. It's at $198,000 jointly. <clears throat> so that's number one. Uh, the second part was a dramatic increase in the amount of unemployment insurance. The, the federal government is basically guaranteeing $600 additional uh, per week to those who are on unemployment. The idea being we're trying to get people up to um, close to their um, their income, those people who have been laid off. So, and then a special category, a new category of unemployment for people in the gig economy, for self-employed, for people who otherwise uh, would not be eligible for unemployment. So there's a special new program for, for them. Second category would be small business. There is a, a number of, um, there's a, a four or five different provisions that um, small businesses can take advantage of. One, and the first one, which is a $350 billion program, is called the Pay 
the Paycheck Protection Plan, that's where you can borrow up to four months of your payroll and I'm sorry, four, four, up to eight weeks of your payroll. And if you sustain that level of employment for through that period, that entire loan is forgiven. Uh, if you aren't able to sustain your level of employment during that period, then the loan, which can be up to two years, carries only a, a half a percent interest rate. So that's, a, a, that's going to be the most popular program, I think, and we'll probably have to replenish that fund because I don't think $350 billion is going to be enough. Uh, there's another program called the Emergency Injury uh, Disaster Loan. Uh, EIDL, and that's for people whose businesses where, where you've lost a huge proportion of your business. Uh, those, you can have both a PPP loan and an EIDL loan. The details are pretty complicated, but you can do that. Then there's another provision where you can, you can delay your, um, your, your, the, the payment of your payroll tax share as an employer uh, for um, till the end of, uh, till the end of the year, um, <clears throat> that may be attractive to some. You, you still have to pay it, but you get a moratorium. And there are a couple other smaller provisions for small businesses. The next provision is the biggest one. That's five hundred five hundred billion dollars, and that's for uh, companies with with more than five hundred employees. The small business portion with fewer than five hundred employees. And that's administered by the Treasury Department, and this is for the, the big companies for the most part. Um, and then there are a number of other provisions <clears throat> that relate to things like um, state and local government. There's a $150 billion plan to uh, provide support for state and local governments who obviously are suffering in a number of ways from this uh, pandemic through sales taxes and income taxes, reduced income and sales taxes, plus additional costs and to d combat the virus. Then there's a, um, there's another, there are programs involving mass transit. I think it's $25 billion to support mass transit throughout the country since uh, those, uh, that business is obviously way down since people can't go anywhere. And so there are a number of, issues like smaller items like that that are um, involved uh, also a hundred billion dollars to hospitals to help hosp support hospitals across the country so those are the those are the major elements of the plan it will not be the last piece of legislation that we do uh, we're already in the house writing the uh, the fourth installment which is going to i think provide more money for state and local government probably enhance that the, um, the small business program, and uh, my guess is it's probably going to do have an extra direct payment to, to citizens because the $1,000 or $1,200 in adult is not bad, but that's not going to be much help for, a very, for enough period of time because it looks like we're several months away from getting any return to decent economic activity. So with that, I will shut up and then uh, respond to questions. And Katie, do you have anything you wanted to add while you're on? No, I think that's, that all sounded good to me. Um, I just want to note that there are, uh, you know, as, as we continue to get information, we're trying to put it out there as quickly as possible. Um, so you can find fact sheets on our website 
um, that kind of give good summaries of all of these different programs. And as we continue to get updated information from either SBA or Treasury or anybody else in the administration, we're adding it to our website. Um, but if you have any questions, you can always reach out to our office and we can try to facilitate and get you the right answer. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> all right, John, you want to moderate questions? Or I don't know how you want to do that. But... John, I can if, if I can. John, you're on mute, by the way. Uh, Chairman, okay, yeah. this is Richard Wilson. I'm the Government Affairs Director for the Kentucky Realtors. Uh, I'll be glad to facilitate the, the questions. Okay, great. Everyone, everyone, if you do have a question, please type it into the chat feature on your Zoom uh, box, and we'll kind of take them in order. Chairman, I also wanted to make you aware, uh, Joe Harris, who is a, one of our national lobbyists at uh, National Association of Realtors, he is on, on the call with us today as well. Uh, okay. Joe, thank for, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Joe, did you have any questions for the chairman? Well, um, I understand, uh, Mr. Chairman, that uh, Speaker Pelosi and Mr. Uh, chairman Pallone, Chairman DeFazio are on a conference call now to discuss priorities with regard to infrastructure uh, package right. and phase four. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, you know, what we can expect in this next phase of coronavirus relief from your perspective? Well, uh, the, the infrastructure package is, again, that's under development and I, I don't really want to speculate on what's going to be in there. And, you know, the president said he wants $2 trillion. I think House Democrats would be comfortable with $2 trillion. Um, but I don't know about how, I don't know about congressional Republicans, whether they'd want to go that high. And of course, there'll be a lot of details that'll be somewhat difficult to, uh, to work out. But um, there's going to be some infrastructure spending in the next package. Again, I think there will be um, there will be more money in the small business uh, support program. There will be um, some, there'll be, I think, more money to state and local governments because the, the 150 billion is not going to be nearly enough. You start thinking about just in the, in the case of New York, with the, in New York City with its almost 9% sales tax, how much revenue that city tre treasury is losing uh, because of the shutdown of that city is just mind boggling. And that's happening across, across the country. So we're gonna have to shore up state and local budgets to a greater extent than the 150 billion. Uh, there are gonna be provisions in there, I think, related to student loans. Um, I know that um, we have uh, a bill that some uh, House Democrats have been pushing that would uh, dramatically lower the interest rates on student loans. In the, in the CARES Act, we defer payments of student loans for six months uh, with no accrual of interest, which is, a, which is a, a way of getting money to people. But um, we, we think we can do more and, you know, we're, most student loans now, the Stafford loans are 7% and uh, we're borrowing money at zero right now as a government. So there's, uh, that's kind of an uh, ex exorbitant interest rate on the student loan so we can drop down Drop that down and help students uh, help student borrowers even even more. Um, 
beyond that, there are a lot of suggestions. I mean, they're pouring into the speaker's office. One of the gaps in the uh, in the CARES Act was that if you were a dependent child, if you were if you were uh, considered a dependent on some in the family tax return, and you were over 17, you weren't eligible for any of the the uh, the direct payments. And so a lot of college students who could use that and, and need it and deserve it uh, wouldn't be getting it. So there's a bill to, which will be an amendment to that, hopefully incorporated in the next package that would correct that um, that oversight that, does, that seems to have been unintentional, but um, it's, it's in the law. So there are going to be a lot of technical fixes. But in terms of major categories, I would say, <clears throat> Uh, the small business fund, the um, and the uh, the state and local governments, and then um, some additional individual help would be the the primary elements. Plus the infrastructure bill, whatever that ends up looking like. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Joe. Uh, John Weichel, did you have a question that you want to ask real fast? Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Chairman, has has any consideration been given to extending the time that a person has to make their 2019 IRA contribution? Uh, the reason for asking that is having access to that cash without penalty would be a benefit to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of small business people around the United States uh that would giving them an extension from april 15th 2020 say to april 15th of 2022 should get us out of the current crisis and give everybody time uh to get back on their feet uh what do you think that's it that's an interesting idea uh, i don't know if it's being considered i will uh, make sure that the ways and means committee uh <laughs> hears about that idea one of the things that was in the CARES Act was allowing you to take um, take money from your 401k or whatever without penalty if you needed it to, to live. So that seemed, would seem to be somewhat of an analogous category that um, we, we could work on. Yeah, because at, at this time of year, most small business people have been holding on to that cash in anticipation uh, like many people, including myself, uh, that make that contribution uh, the last 10 days prior to their April 15th filing. Right. That's a good point. Well, again, I, I will make sure Ways and Means uh, hears about that idea, and I, we'll try and find out if they're actually considering it and, and getting back to you. Um, Thank you. You know, all, all the tax filings have been put off for a couple months uh, to begin with, so. <clears throat> but uh, your idea is a, a very interesting one. Sounds logical. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. Thank you, John. Uh, so, Chairman, a, a few questions have come in. Um, first one is: uh, Is there a basically a central point of uh, of contact for small businesses uh, to where they can go to see? a list of available resources and, and loan programs uh, that are available to businesses? Um, well, you can, 
I would think every member of Congress has that on their website right now, at least has a summary of the programs. Uh, if, you're, if you're talking about the, Katie, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. If you're trying to get information on the, S, the Paycheck, Paycheck Promo, uh, Protection Program, which is, again, the eight weeks of, of salary and on, with a forgivable loan, that you go, the forms are online through the Treasury Department, but you go directly to your lender. And, that, and any bank now is eligible to make these loans. So you don't have to be a, a, an SBA certified bank. They're basically saying you're, you just go to your own bank with the forms that you get from the Treasury Department, and um, they can give you that information. With the other programs, the information sh should be on, on Treasuries, uh, on the Treasury Department's website. We have, as, as Treasury is issuing guidances on these programs, we're taking those guidance. We got, we got one for on, the, on the PPP program last night. We put it up on the website immediately so you have access to that. And I would say most every Congress, congressional office has that same thing. I don't. I mean, you can you can go to the SBA's web, website too. They have that information. Great. Thank yeah, you. that's all. That's all correct. Um, we're still waiting on guidance from Treasury for some of these things. So, like the um, EIDL loan, we, they haven't issued yet, so we don't have that information. Um, we just kind of have the framework of how it's going to all work. Um, so we're still waiting on that, but once we do, we'll add it to our website as soon as we can. And then um, another good resource is going to be the local SBA office, too. They're available to talk to people. That's great. Thank you. Uh, so that that kind of led me into our, our next question is, is dealing with Paytech Protection Program, uh, the SBA 7A uh, loan program. Uh, so that you, you're saying those guidelines have not or have been given to local banks yet those those had those came out yesterday afternoon great okay okay yeah that's thank what, you and that's where i got that information about where you actually download the forms um for that and then you go directly through your lender so you're not you don't apply through sba you apply through your lender right and those are on treasury's website um, and they also provided two different dates for when people can start applying. Um, small businesses and sole proprietorships can start applying on April 3rd, and independent contractors and people who are self-employed can start on April 10th. Can you, can you say that for me one more time, just so make sure everybody hears, uh, make sure everybody heard that? Sure, yeah. So all of this information um, is on Treasury's website. They um, uploaded it last night, and then we also put it on our website. But like the Congressman mentioned, you get all those forms um, on the Treasury's website and then you can go directly to your lender. And they, um, in their guidance, they say that small businesses and sole proprietorships can start applying for loans on April 3rd. And then independent contractors and those who are self-employed can start beginning April 10th. Great, thank you. That's, that's big news for us. Uh, we have, of course, a lot of independent contractors uh, that are members. Right with us so absolutely so i guess a question i have uh that doesn't really pertain to the cares act but it, it kind of relates to it um for the budget committee uh, that you chair what does what does something like this the two two trillion dollar stimulus package what does that do for future budgets down the line is, is that that's got to impact 
our, our future uh, finances and budgets down the line? Well, certainly. I mean, we're looking probably this year, Best get, my best guess is that, and obviously all this is, you have to, it's all flexible because we don't know how long this is going to last. If all of a sudden, three weeks from now, we're out of the out of the woods, it's a different impact than if it's four, five, six months from now. But we're looking probably at a at a an annual deficit this year of a, somewhere in the five trillion dollar range. Uh, so that would be a four trillion dollar increase over the anticipated one trillion. Uh, so it's going to complicate budgets for a long time because uh, I suspect that. <clears throat> The impact of this will be, in terms of duration, will be at least as long as the financial crisis of 2008. So we're talking about two or three years before we're back to a, uh, hopefully, a vibrant uh, economy that resembles what we just uh, lost. So the deficits in the next few years are going to be fairly, very, very large as well, because you're going to have a number of bankruptcies and and high unemployment and so forth to deal with. So you're talking about probably getting to close to a $30 trillion national debt over the next two or three years. Uh, we were anticipating that that wouldn't come until uh, uh, 2030, where we'd reach $30 trillion. Now, most of the experts that we've talked to, and these include not necessarily liberal uh experts, this includes the people at the Fed and others, think that we're in a prolonged period of low interest rates, that they're not looking for rates uh, to push back, push past 2 or 3 percent uh, for 20 or 30 years, even with this increased debt, debt which means that the, the interest burden is not going to be as horrible as it otherwise would be. I mean, it would have been disastrous if, if you got a, a spike to four or five percent with a thirty trillion dollar um, debt to, to service. So, but what we're going to have to do? I mean, I, I would think that once the economy gets um, going again, if it gets to full steam, we're going to have to we're going to have to deal with the revenue side of the budget, which means there's got to be a tax increase. Um, but you don't want to do that until you really are in a, in a very very hot economy. So uh, the budgets are going to look horrible for the next few years. There's there's going to be no reduction in demand for <clears throat> services. Um, you know the, the the demographic problem that we now have is going to continue. We 10,000 people turn 65 every day, which means there's uh, that much more cost in Medicare and in, in Social Security. So the, the outlook's not very good for the next few years. The, um, but again, the one, the one thing we have going for us, if, if everybody's right, if a, that interest rates are going to stay very low, is that we should be able to service this debt. Um, but uh, you know, we're, we're in uncharted waters, and anybody who, uh, anybody's very, in very dangerous territory trying to make predictions uh, <laughs> of, of what this is going to look like going forward. Well, that, that is uh, very sobering uh, to, to hear, uh, but it, it's needed. Uh, everybody needs to hear that. Um, so, so thank yeah, you for talking yeah. about that. Sure, and I think, you know, one of the other things that you all will be aware of more than uh, 
than most is there's going to have, there's going to be a very different real estate world out there. Not so much residential, but certainly on the commercial side, I, I've got a feeling that that's going to be um, a 10 to 15 year uh, problem in terms of store vacancy, retail vacancies, in terms of businesses that, first of all, just go out of business, other businesses that say, well, you know, we, we did pretty well working remotely. We don't need all that office space now. And I, I think there are going to be some major um, uh, permanent changes in the, in the commercial end, commercial real estate end. But that's your territory more than mine. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so uh, you, you've mentioned uh, earlier about future uh, stimulus packages and, and the number of uh, packages uh, that, that could be in our future here. Um, is there anything that you want to see in those uh, packages that, that you would like to see happen? Well, the only one that I would mention other than the ones that I've already mentioned, because again, the, the way, I think the way we have to look at it is, you're talking about an infrastructure package and that's a physical infrastructure package. Then we've got our human infrastructure, which we're trying to work on, and then we've got our economic infrastructure. And for instance, I would consider the airline industry economic infrastructure. Um, I would consider um, our hotel chains as economic infrastructure. Those types of things, which are, you know, most of them are down 90, 95% uh, in this, this environment. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to make sure that we keep that economic infrastructure alive uh, so that when we restore activity, that we don't have to rebuild that, that part. And, and that's, that's one, thing, one reason I, I know a lot of people are worried about this $500 billion fund that the Treasury Department's going to uh, use to bolster industries like that. And we, we hope we have enough oversight in there to, to eliminate fraud and, and cronyism and some other things. But, but that's a, a really important thing to, to focus on going forward. We have to monitor it closely to make sure that, again, we keep these businesses viable uh, so that we don't have to rebuild, recreate them. And I mean, if, if, you know, if Marriott and Hilton and various hotel companies all go bankrupt, who's going to pick up that slack when we come back? And that's, that's the type of thing that I think we have to, again, monitor very closely. One thing, I, again, we talked about student debt. There's a proposal to, uh, um, to the, some people who want to forgive a lot of student debt. Um, I think that's, problematic politically there may be a way to do it where you where you don't um, infuriate the 70 percent of the population that doesn't have college degrees and doesn't have student debt uh, but it's a huge overhang on the economy it's 1.5 trillion dollars i'm sure you know as well as i do that one reason a lot of younger people aren't buying homes is because of the student debt so we're, we're working on ways maybe as alternatives i would like to see us work on ways as alternatives to forgiveness programs like again lowering the interest rate dramatically let let student borrower student loan holders uh, refinance their debt they can't do that now 
let it be discharged in personal bankruptcy. You can't do that now. Um, so there's some things that we can do that will take some strain off of uh, the younger generation and uh, get them more fully involved in the, in the economy. So that, that'd be my, the one thing I would add to, again, the, um, the small business help and, and making sure we take care of our economic infrastructure. Okay, very nice. Uh, so I guess a follow-up to that, you, you mentioned infrastructure, uh, but an, another, I guess, piece of infrastructure that, that we care deeply about is access to fast and reliable broadband. Uh, I know there was some money in, in the CARES Act that relates to or for uh, broadband. Is there any discussion about uh, adding additional dollars to that? Because uh, I know many parts of the country, many parts of Kentucky don't have access to fast and reliable uh, broadband. Oh, that's right. I know. And, and uh, you know, we, we, interestingly enough, we still face that in, in Louisville and some of our uh, lower, in, most low in, income, lowest income uh, areas. No, I, I think there's a very good chance that there'll be more money for broadband, but I would suspect that will be in the part, a part of any infrastructure package that comes out i know that you know that's one area where there's overwhelming bipartisan support for uh making sure that our rural community communities have uh, access to broadband if not then they're not in the economy that's essentially it so uh, i think everybody realizes we have responsibility to that to do that and if we're if we're going to make the kind of investment of, if, if we do a two trillion dollar plan um that's some of the fastest infrastructure we can build. Yeah, roads I, and bridges and roads and bridges and water systems take a little bit longer. Uh, broadband you can get done much more quickly. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, uh, Chairman, one one final question that just came in, uh, yeah. and then I'll turn it back over to to Lester uh, and Steve Stevens, our CEO, um, to to close for us. But one final question for you. Uh, once international travel opens and is healthy, uh, wouldn't smart immigration solve much of our long-term economic issues? Amen. You don't, there's not a bigger proponent of, of comprehensive immigration reform in the Congress than I am. I, back in 2013, I was a part of, uh, I was in the group of eight in the House, four Democrats, four Republicans. We worked for seven months every day on comprehensive immigration reform. We got very, very close. The Senate had already passed the bill. Many of our problems right now would be uh, resolved if we had been able to do that back then. Um, it's not even a, a question of whether we should do it. We have to do it. Uh, we need people in this country. The, the one way we could really boost, uh, boost economic activity is to grow the, grow the, peop the population. Uh, we've got a population crisis brewing in the country, and uh, it's 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 not just a, a a problem that has to be solved. It's not just, um, but it's also an opportunity for us to really do some positive things for the country and the economy. So I I, I totally agree with you, and um, I hope we can get a president, whether it be a Republican or a Democrat who is committed to doing that because without presidential leadership, it's not going to be easy. We found that out in 2013. 
Chairman, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Lester, I will turn it back over to you. And, and Steve, if you have anything further to add, um, I'll turn it back over to you. Chairman Yarmouth, again, we certainly appreciate your support over a long period of time for the realtors and for the realtor uh, party. And we appreciate uh, your efforts to bring this CARES Act uh, together. Uh, because it's important uh, for not only us as realtors, but it's important for our country as a whole. So thank you, and again, for the time that you allowed uh, us to spend with you today. Uh, Steve? Absolutely. Well, it's good to be be with all of you, even though it's electronically, but uh, uh, thanks for the work you do in your communities all over Kentucky. And uh, um, as as Lester and, and John very well know, my door is always open to you. Uh, Chairman, this is Steve Stevens, the CEO, and I would just say on behalf of our association, we are an association not only of members, but of associations, and we have 20 local associations. Uh, most of their execs are on the phone listening, too, and I guess I'd have to throw this last item in just real quickly, if you don't mind, and that is um, there had been some discussion about including some relief for 501c6 organizations, and just wondered uh, if that's still on your radar screen. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, that's under very that's under very uh, active consideration in the next package. I I think if we had had it to do over again, we wouldn't have excluded them. So I, I think there's a good chance they'll get in the next package. Thank you so much. Very great. Absolutely. All right. All right well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate it. We, we're sad we wouldn't, we weren't able to see you in person up in DC in May, uh, but hopefully we can change that next year when we're up there uh, and, and see you. So. Let's hope so. We'll, we'll have figured out a new way to greet each other. It won't be handshaking. We'll find that it's going to be interesting to see what replaces handshaking. <laughs> That's right. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone on the call. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all the members who participated in that call, and of course, special thanks to Chairman John Yarmouth for joining us. Again, the congressman from Kentucky's third district. Uh, thanks again for listening, and I hope to catch you on the next one. Stay safe.